This is the meeting after the meeting. None of our participants get paid, and we don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. Enjoy the show. see him but he was deep he had that like dj look he's like okay i was counting you in where you count oh okay i like that drop it live i like that this is uh super chill this is yeah it's it's chill what's up guys how's everybody doing good good yeah good good gabe gabe how are you doing great man doing great you're you said you're taking a test today you had to take a test or something (laughs) at work yeah Yeah. let's not talk about it i aced it though did you ace it yeah Yeah, that's all that matters i I fell i fell asleep like reading through it like yeah many many times was it open book yeah no you didn't need it you don't need it it's that easy it was a it's a test that i've had to take every year because i i i fail the the plate like the the test to skip the Uh, the class yeah by like one question so Mm. i had already like knew most of them so yeah it was, but it was fine. It was. I failed the driving test three times. Did you? I mean, two times, and then I passed it on the third one. Wow, Gabe, first time driving test. First time, but I was eighteen. <laughs> you were eighteen. Yeah, I waited. Yeah, I mean, this was when I had to retake it when I was thirty-two. <laughs> and you failed it. <laughs> yeah. How do you fail it at thirty-two? You've been driving. I mean, you for just like, think you know, and yeah. then you go in there and and you like blow through a stop. You like blow through a stop. Are you talking about the written test or the, the driving? No, the written. Test, oh yeah, not the okay. driving. Oh. Well, you failed the driving test. And there's this like sixteen-year-old kid next to me. He just like, laughed. At me. He <laughs> walks, <laughs> shaking his head. <laughs> Oh, because it's one of those like, like, computers, right? Those, those, little, those like screens. Yeah, yeah it was like, up. you know. <laughs> I didn't even like look at the book or anything. I mean, I just thought uh, I knew like like everything else I do and yeah. didn't know. Driving is one of those things that I always thought was a right and found out through my, my alcoholism. It was a privilege, you know? Well, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's... Dude, my Uber in Atlanta, I was like... <laughs> Yeah, it what? is a privilege. You were an Uber driver in Atlanta? No, my Uber oh. driver in Atlanta two oh. weeks ago. Oh. He has, it's a privilege for him and he needs a revoked. like another life oh, you that mean we he don't know about. Be dri- he shouldn't be driving. Shouldn't be oh, driving. Yeah, I was yeah. livid, dude. I'm telling you, man. That's, Uber, Uber is, you know. It's scary. It's, it's scary. It's scary. Dude, I've it's never scary. been in an Uber like that, dude. Yeah, yeah. We're going 80 miles per hour on the highway in Atlanta on the way to the airport. We're well on time, so we don't need a rush. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, normal, my own, you know, well, they, they want to get stairs. That's w- it. Let me ask you this. Would you rather have that or what happened to me in an Uber was the opposite. The guy was going one mile under the speed limit and people were, well, I feel like we were on like a racetrack. People That's were way better, dude. Us. You know why, dude? Mo- one the, the, on the other side is death, dude. If things go wrong, we ran into, we, he had to slam the brakes. We were going yeah. so fast because there was a guy in front of us on the highway that had been in an accident. And he's like, every day, man, right this spot, yeah. every day. I'm like, really, dude? And you still drive like that. This guy was going under the speed limit and somebody was tailing us. And he starts brake checking them with me in the back oh seat. My God, like he's dude. slamming on his brakes over and over. And I'm oh, like, this person's going to slam into the back Unhinged. of us and hit me. Yeah, yeah, that's so. bad, too. Anyways, we, we digress. We totally we let's, digress. Let's, let's get into it. This is the meeting after the meeting. Meeting. I'm John. I'm Chris. Welcome to episode number 33. Mm. We are 
happy to be here. We got a great guest for you tonight. Real quick, the meeting after the meeting is a podcast, which is broadcast live on Zoom every Wednesday night from 8 to 9 p.m. And then the audio is put out on all streaming platforms. Oh. So we are glad to be here. We kind of already did the introductions. So um, how was your week, John? Yeah, John, how was your week? What'd how you was do? your week? My week. You're always asking yeah. us. I'm my week was, week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My okay. week was was good. Yeah. It's been good. I played in a in a uh, a club golf tournament today with some friends, which mm-hmm. was nice. Another one? Did you get another hole-in-one? I did not get another hole-in-one. I did get a hole-in-one the week before, yeah. though, which I don't know if I talked about on the air. So, uh, And that actually brings me to our sketch of the week, which is we found it online. Mm. So I hope you stick around to hear that because there is a AA golf related item in mm. there in, mm. in O to my golfers out there. hole in one. So there you uh, go. we're going to, we're going to do that. So we do have a great guest. We've got a great topic, a newcomer tip and the sketch is we found it online. We got four cool new items for everybody. So which you around, bought, which I bought. And sadly they're not here because if they were here, I feel like you're keeping these, these little shops in business. I I'm, mean, I, you know what? I got I don't a nice, think anyone else is buying this crap. So this particular company, I got a nice email from them. They're very thankful that I purchasing stuff from yeah, them. Yeah, so. you're the only one that's bought anything yeah. all year. I mean, we it's probably like, dropped a hundred. It's like, the, like a it's hundo like, almost. It's like the guy in South Park, that little kid who doesn't have any Facebook friends, and he's yeah, just waiting yeah. by his computer to get a friend request. I mean, hey, and just waiting for that one order, dude. I'm giving him hope, man. Yeah, I'm giving him hope. Holy, so we need some of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, well, let's uh, let's get into introducing our guest. He's somebody who, and I'll, I'll admit this real quick. I was suggested, somebody suggested to me, uh, to have our guest on. They Mm -hmm. said, you got to get this guy. I heard him speak at a meeting and his story was just unbelievable. And I was like, you know what? Let's, let's have him out. So why don't we introduce Kevin H from Rockville, Maryland. Oh, applause. I didn't know. <laughs> Caught me off guard. Yeah, they love so you. Man. Don't listen. They hey, love you. I feel. <laughs> I wanted to start off by uh, just like flashing back to last week where it was um, part thirty-two, mm-hmm. and yes. you were talking about yep. the great sports numbers, right? Yes. Well, thirty-three is really awesome. So I asked. Yes. I asked Siri, and listen to this. We got like Larry this. Bird. Ooh. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Wow. wow. Shaquille O'Neal. What? Damn. Scottie Pippen. That's a big basketball number. This is good. Uh, Frank Robinson. Oh, my God. Uh, Patrick Ewing. Patrick Waugh. Eddie oh. Murray. Wow. Starting to get a little bit. You, I feel like. So we got, we got like three or four more. We got Tony Dorsett, which is a Dallas Cowboys. Okay. So I, I was wondering when we were going to get to the football game. We yeah. got Earl Monroe. Don't even know who that is. Oh, man. Earl the Pearl. Yeah. Roger Craig, running back. I don't think any of that legendary status is going to run off on us. And Grand Hill, man. (laughs) I hate to say it. So we got a lot of good 33s. That's all I'm saying. We do, and it's it's clearly a basketball. And so I'm proud to be yet another 33 great. Kevin, you are are our number 33. (laughs) Joining the... uh, There will never be another one. There will never be another one. We're going to hang your 33 up in the rafters. (laughs) here. retire it now. (laughs) Retire that number. Uh, well, thanks for coming on the well, show. I'm glad to be yeah. here. Thanks. Yeah, we're we're glad you're here. I I've known you for some some time now. I've seen you around at some of the the meetings in yeah. the area, but it, it'll be good to get to know you thanks. better in here. Yeah, you used to come to the men's sure. meeting, but haven't seen him in a while. So Monday nights, I have Uh-oh. another obligation. Mm. Yeah, I I manage a halfway house, and okay. we have a 
we have a house meeting and there dinner. Really, oh, really, really neat communal kind of time. Oh, so nice. That's, that's a little bit of a sacred. You were talking night about for that, yeah. about managing yeah. the halfway house at dinner earlier. I didn't know you still did that. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow, yeah. that's I've done great. it for most of my sobriety. It's a real joy. Yeah, it's a blessing. We were, I mean, we won't tell the stories here on the show, but there were some stories we were talking about at dinner. I was like, golly, man. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I mean, we've all been there. Yeah. We, I mean, we basically lived in a halfway house. So I was in the restaurant the- business for like 27 years, and I always thought you could write a great book yeah. you know, working in a restaurant. Sure. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hold a candle to managing a halfway house. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm stuff. sure. Anyone die on you? No, but they tried. Mm-hmm. They tried. Yeah, I, I remember sure one would. night in particular, really bad overdose, and yeah. you know, like twelve yeah. doses of Narcan. Oh my god! Oh my yeah, god. it was really, it was horrific what? stuff. Yeah, wow. The game has changed. Yeah, incredibly it's not like it so. Used to be. No, I absolutely agree. Lucky to get out before fentanyl oh hit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I tell people all the time. I'm like, yeah, I mean, God, I don't want any piece of it. No, no. You know, it's a good reminder. Yeah. Do you, I don't know if you felt the tone change right there, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you start to recognize you can have fun in recovery, but, yeah. you know, underlying all yeah. of it, like deadly serious. Well, there's yeah. so many people, I mean, that come to arm. I know, you know, yeah, so many people funerals. that Chris and I have been, been very close with in the past five years. Or sponsored just, and, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, who are gone. And so, but that being said, we're here to... We're here to talk. We're here to bring the mood up and yeah, talk about. Yeah. And you know, you know the, the fact of the matter is, I've got a great story, and I don't yeah, say yeah. it egotistically. I just say it because, <laughs> like, I couldn't have found a way. You have no idea how many people have sat in that seat yeah. and said the exact same. Like, thing. Like, there's no way for for me to be where I am today yeah. on my own. Sure, and I'm always grounded by that. Yeah. So there's ego in that. I like to tell the story, but I like to talk about it. It's like circular. It starts off really good and it gets horrific. Mm-hmm. And now it's just wonderfully beautiful again. And the part of that story I'm responsible for is getting it from really good to horrific. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, it kind of keeps me a little grounded. It's 100%, 100%. Well, let's get into it. Why don't, why don't we start with the, the stats? Yeah, the, so uh, basic info. Uh, my sobriety date is June 30th, 2006. I've been sober 17 years. Mm-hmm. I have a sponsor, Jason T. I, um, Two regular meetings, I call the only men stag rap, my okay. home group. Great group. But then I am always also found at the Sunday morning spirituality group at the West Side Club. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. And um, what time is that morning, that meeting at? That's 8.30. 8.30. Yeah, okay, so, nice. So it gets, gets me up and running. No, that's mm-hmm. not right. It's not 8.30 at all. We Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> it used to not <laughs> we, be. We gather early for, for coffee next door yeah. and, then, and then hit that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. Awesome. Well, let's get into it, man. We got limited yeah, so, time here. Yeah, Tell I like us to a keep little bit about like on what, schedule and everything. We're already a little behind because I you forgot guys to, like to yap so we much. Do, but, we do. I forgot to tell you, don't worry about this part. <laughs> oh, I just try to time. try yeah. to keep things in, in perspective. So I, again, my story starts off really good. And <clears throat> what that looks like for me is connectedness. And when I tell my story, I talk about relationships a lot. So when I grew up, I had um, just a great family. Grew up in an Irish Catholic family, loving mom and dad. I have three older brothers, younger sister. We, we love each other dearly. So it's like check the family box. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Bethesda. So upper middle class, you know, check the socioeconomic box. And the, the, I grew up with a group of about a dozen guy friends right around my age. So you got the friend box checked. 
Uh, I lived right up the street from my elementary school. Mm. I loved school, kind of a little nerdish, bookish, <laughs> but, but, you know, check that box. I had, um, you know, great experience in church. I had a couple of young priests growing up. They were really doing it right and well and, and um, just felt very comfortable there. So it's like, check, 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 check. Yeah. Sometimes I'm thinking, like, what are you doing in AA? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the answer is uh, alcoholism doesn't care about that. And the second thing is, is I described all the outside, you know, but inside, um, like I hear so often, just filled with fear. I'm worried about what other people think. I don't know what I'm doing. I think other people do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just feel robbed, like, uh, like nobody told me how to do this. And for others, it appeared easy. And for me, just really hard. It was just, you know, it was rough going. Yeah. Can't, can't really explain it any other way. And, um, you know, the one place that I took kind of solace or comfort from was church. And, and so from a very young age, I had it in my mind that I was going to be a priest when I grew up. And what that allowed me to do is, like, I wasn't okay now, but, like, when I get there, I'm going to mm-hmm. be okay and, and that's what I did, kind of set on my course. And, you know, I can look back and say I decided what I was going to do. And um, so I think of the self-will and just the self-directedness of all of that. But, um, but off I went, you know, and I was prayerful and I was kind of trying to live to a high moral standard and studious and, and off I went. And, you know, my story takes a turn when I was about 15, um, and three things happened. I went from a small school to a very large public high school. And, and that was, talk about fear. <laughs> like, that was awful. The second thing that happened is I took my first drink. And, and for me, it just did, I think, what it does for a lot of us, which is um, it just kind of lowered the shoulders and made the breath a little easier. And socializing was, was you know, doable. And I, I don't know, it just put like a a damper or like a soft blanket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Alcohol, it, you yeah. know, it's so funny you say that because when I drank and got drunk the first time, it seemed to solve problems I didn't even know I had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know? talk a lot about it. Like it's not until you get rid of it that you realize it, it solves some problems. Yeah. Like it did what it, what it was, what I wanted it to do. Mm-hmm. And the third thing that happened at age 15 is I started working in a restaurant. (laughs) And I always say, if you don't know what that has to do with alcoholism, you've never worked in a restaurant, (laughs) you know? And and what it did for me is um, it it hid my alcoholism because I was drinking like everyone else in this exact same way. And it just never appeared as problematic or out of the ordinary and... I was drinking with people a lot older than me, and we were drinking into the wee hours of the morning, and I was 15, 16, 17 years old. And, um, you know, made my way through high school, made my way through a couple of years of community college, and and then I had a decision, you know, am I going to go to a really nice college where I had a, a, a scholarship, and or was I going to pursue the priesthood? And, and I decided for the priesthood. And as a gift of my entire self to God and church, they sent me to Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> and uh, that was a rough go of it, you know. But the one good thing is, is there was a pub in the basement of that school. And I had a lot of restaurant experience and they made me the manager of that pub. And, you know, we, I drank there like I drank everywhere else, which is when they call last call, everybody who thinks that applies to them leaves mm. and, and we stay. Yeah. You know, and yeah. 
drank my way through college. It's That's funny. It. People actually take that seriously. Yeah. Last call. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well I guess, time to go now. Yeah. I guess it's over. <laughs> oh. I should go home. Uh. Yeah, I should go home. Got a big day tomorrow. <laughs> Wait, so, no. so like I'm I have a confused. degree. You're in you're in college or you're in school to become a priest. So they're the same. They're the same. Yeah, okay, I'm not yes. really sure so, how that works. I was so like, yeah. you're not yet a priest. It's called the seminary, and there's yeah. a high school seminary, yeah. um, and then a college seminary, and then grad school. So up until the time you actually become a priest, you can drink and work in a bar. Like I'm, yeah. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure. I'm I like, know, it doesn't, it doesn't sound, real sound like it fits in line with the more the principles you of could, a. Hey you man, could argue. You got some good wine. You, know what I mean? <laughs> you could make that yeah. argument. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Right. So I have a degree. I, I joke about it, but I it's in philosophy, and I don't know any. You know, <laughs> I, I drank my way through a college degree, yeah. and yeah. so I get that, and I went on to uh, grad school. And, and things really just started to get, you know, go from bad to worse. And I was drinking up there and, you know, I could tell a story that it exemplifies it, but I would always go to this one bar that was very crowded and loud and just always fights and live music on the weekends and, and everybody drank there. So I would go there with my friends, but it was just too much, mm. you know, and I would wander across the street and I'd sit alone at a bar stool and, and get drunk mm -hmm. by myself mm -hmm. watching Jeopardy. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, they, the reason I say Jeopardy is, you know, they had a contest. You could get $5 off your bar tab if you got the, the final, final Jeopardy, Jeopardy, right? And I would listen to 730 broadcasts on Channel 7 Stop. out of D.C. That's great. And wow. they'd be watching the Look 8 o'clock broadcast out of Baltimore. And, you know, I'd automatic $5 coupon every day. day. Yeah. Look at they didn't think anything was weird about the fact that you knew every oh, They answer. thought I was a genius. They thought you were a genius. Yeah. And, and I thought I was getting away with it. Milked until it for I, all it was worth. Yeah, but then you get sober and you have a sponsor and <laughs> yeah. you start talking ninth step yeah, of men's yeah. and you've told that story. And Tell me you didn't. You, oh, yeah. You went back oh, to Oh, I that. had to make it. That's so great. I, I wrote wow. a, I wrote a a really nice check. Oh, that's yeah. so great. Bar was still there, huh? I yeah, guess. Still there. Mm. So, you know, where do things take a really bad turn is I'm about to be ordained. And so taking it seriously, that's a vow of, of obedience to your bishop, poverty and, and celibacy, which is sexual purity or and um, I got a, real quick though, I got a question. At this point, you've been drinking it sounds like you've been drinking in bars, hanging out, partying for yeah. years. Did you tell people you were going to become you were becoming a priest? Oh, I've did anybody ever, ever say like, Kevin, man, this pat like yeah, you you don't look. I like just you're can you imagine hanging out with the guy who direction. says he's becoming a priest and you're drinking like that every night? Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, it's like my time. drinking hid everything. Was it like it it hid everything from me? It was incredible. Well, delusional. Yeah. yeah, delusional. The alcohol. Nobody life. called Man, you I, out. I raise my hand <laughs> yeah. with delusional. Yeah. Yeah. Like that yeah. should be my middle name. Yeah. I should yeah. tattoo it. You know. <laughs> so, so listen. This is um, this is where it gets bad because I'm about to be ordained, and I think I'm about to be given a summer assignment. Mm -hmm. And I go to the vocation director's office, looking great and feeling good, and and he opens my personnel file, and right on top mm -hmm. is this letter that I had written and I knew who it was to and what it said. And I knew I was in trouble. See, I had known a young man that was about to start his studies for the priesthood. And I knew that that kid was gay. Mm. And in that letter, I confided to him that I was gay. Mm. And I told him that I believed in the church's teaching, that I had been abiding by it. That means virginity, by the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and that I believe you could do the priesthood with dignity and respect. And you had to be prudent in how you conducted yourself and who you told and, 
told him if there's anything I could do to help him on his pathway to the priesthood, I'd be happy to do that. And I closed that letter with a paragraph asking him to keep that letter in confidence. And he broke that confidence. Yeah. He turned it over mm. to his spiritual director and just helped the chain of command. And, and that vocation director just slid a piece of paper across the desk at me and it just said, Dear Mr. Oregon, you are not now, nor will you ever be welcome to be a student for the priesthood. So mm. you're, you're saying that you got snitches in the priesthood too. Yeah. Mm. And, um, Golly. You know, it was devastating. Yeah. I, I can't even I'm sure. do it justice, but it's kind of a theme to my story, emotionally overwhelmed, and I just can't handle it, and I couldn't tell anybody, and I go back into the restaurant business, and I'm, you know, I'm drinking, and, you know, it just keeps ratcheting up, and I'm not going to be ordained, so this virginity thing was highly <laughs> overrated. <laughs> yeah, no need for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm, you know, drinking and carousing sexually in the streets of DuPont Circle in the late 80s and early 90s, and five years after getting kicked out of the seminary for being gay, I was diagnosed with HIV. Hmm and uh, emotionally overwhelmed and I can't handle it. And, you know, the drink looks like a good solution. Drinking is drinking helps yeah. fix that in the well, moment fix that, temporarily, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. And dad tried to do something beautiful, spoon feeding me hope, you know, take care of yourself, eat right, sleep well, mm -hmm. exercise, mm -hmm. take your meds. I think you can be okay. Yeah. And I just didn't believe him. You know, I'm watching people die in weeks and months, not years. And I just think I'm a dead man walking. Mm. Five years after that diagnosis, my dad dropped dead of a heart attack at age 58, and I'm emotionally overwhelmed, and I can't handle it, and, the, you know, I'm drinking again, just keeps ratcheting up, and, you know, when my dad died, I think kind of hope died, and, um, and it was a real quick downward spiral. I moved in with my mom. I was trying to repair that relationship, but I wasn't, yeah. and, uh, I came home from work one Sunday afternoon and I found my mom dead in bed. And that's kind of like the final kick in the ribs and, you know, moved into an apartment by myself. That's not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Budweiser pizza and cocaine <laughs> delivered, you know, and, and, um, and I just didn't last very long and it got really bad. I, I, um, woke up one morning. I couldn't get off the couch. I kind of, uh, pecked out this cryptic message to my entire family and I told them the truth. You know, I've been mm. lying, cheating, stealing, drinking, using off my meds. I think I'm dying and, you know, when I hit the send button, I'm going to call 911 and I hope you'll come find me. And, you know, really dramatic. Kicked down the door, dragged to Suburban Hospital and I quickly went into the delirium tremens and, and uh, you know, I like to do this inventory, like, this takes How me. old were you in this? When I, you, I was 43. 43, okay. And, it, this and is, become a daily drinker at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not even at this point. I, like, I honestly couldn't see the reality, delusional, right? Yeah. But I had been a daily drinker really from the jump. Yeah. And, um, you know, I get to the hospital and, and this incredible thing happens. So it's June 30th, 2006, and I'm laying dying in a hospital room and and I'm just overwhelmed with this realization that, that I'm about to draw my last breath. And it was terrifying. And, you know, it's also sad. You know, that kid who had so much and wanted to do really good things with mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. I had done nothing. And um, so that, an incredible sadness about it. But in that moment, you know, I had no relationship with God. I had been willing to give my entire life over to to service really and nothing there mm. no real relationship with me 
no sense of purpose or direction, mm -hmm. no real relationship with anyone else. Family and friends and people I work with and for are gone. I was out of my mind. I'm seeing and hearing things that aren't there. I couldn't put together a cogent thought. Mm. I hadn't made a good sound moral decision in decades. Mm -hmm. I'm emotionally this dysregulated mess. And physically, um, I was 6'1", 112 pounds. I was in major organ failure. I'm strapped to a hospital bed. I'm having seizures and convulsions. Went into respiratory and cardiac arrest in an MRI machine. I had a MRSA infection, and I was dying of AIDS. And um, in that moment, you know, if I knew I'd be telling this story for years to come, <laughs> I would have cried out for help. But my prayer was, God, take me. I'm done. Mm. Mind, body, and spirit, I'm yours. And in that moment, I tried to do it justice, but I had a profound spiritual experience. I felt as if that room warmed. It was like a purple, gentle, violet, swirling haze around me. And just every quality I had ever attributed to God just kind of washed over me. Gentleness and kindness and mercy and love and forgiveness. And I just rested, you know, in this perfect peace. And I knew in that moment three things. I knew there was a God. I knew that he had heard that prayer, and I knew I was going to be okay. But, but I didn't know how, and it, it took a while. Isn't that funny? Even in the most, you know, for me, I was, I don't know, maybe agnostic, you know what I mean, at, at the best. And in that final moment, I said a prayer, just like you. Isn't that crazy? You know, when you're really hopeless, um, whether you believe or not, you do say the prayer. <laughs> yeah. The know? line in the book, deep down inside every man, woman, and child. The, 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 that I, when I heard that, when I read that yes, for the first time, it. I knew exactly yeah. what they meant. That. Yeah. That yeah. is it. Yeah. yeah. So what happened? Uh, you know, I was too sick to go to an inpatient program, and I went to this IOP program, and the only reason I mention it is because there was a man there, and every time I, I walked in the place, he, he would greet me warmly by name, and he would say, have you been to AA yet? You know, get your ass to Alcoholics mm -hmm. Anonymous. Kevin, these people know what mm -hmm. they're doing. Mm -hmm. I think I know the real deal when I see it. I think you're the real deal. There's a solution there. I think you should go. And it became just relentless, like and finally one day I went. And I like to give him credit. I went to the noon meeting at the Delray Club, and it was called How It Works. Yeah, mm. I was and, there. And I heard. I was there on Monday, actually. Yeah, I, I heard the words that saved my life, really. The first sentence of the fifth chapter of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it says, rarely have we seen a person fail mm. who has thoroughly followed our path. And I was like a fish on a hook, you know, and I just hoped and prayed that they were telling me the truth. Of course, I went back to that IOP because Paul was going to ask me one more time, <laughs> have you been doing any? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes, I have. Yep. There you go. <laughs> and that man didn't miss a beat. He was like, did you get a sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> and finally, you know, the story is great. I got a sponsor, a young kid. He was 18. I was 43. Mm. He's straight. I'm gay. He's from the West Coast. I'm from mm. the East Coast. <laughs> you know, he's popping oxys. I'm drinking Budweiser. Like, we couldn't have been more different. But, but when that kid started talking about his relationship with God, and um, I just knew it was him. How do you find your way back to that after what happened to you? Well, you know, the answer, is, 
might sound contrived, but it's the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. Like for me- Like the rest of us. For me, yeah. Mm -hmm. Remember how I started? I talk a lot about relationships and and I really believe this to my core. I believe the 12 steps are designed for for a recreation of relationships. Steps one, two, and three kind of get me back into right relationship with God. You know, running the show, self-directed and- and self-centered does not work, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. The God way does. You know, you can be restored to sanity. And then the third step is this willingness: Are you going to do what we did? And evidently, what you did was turn your will and your life over to the care of that of that power. And I was all in, you know. And then steps four, five, six, and seven, I find out some stuff about me, underlying causes and conditions, mm-hmm. and and get to this place of readiness and willingness to have God change me. And I get into right relationship with me again. And then steps eight and nine get me back into right relations with the people around me. And I I see absolutely no difference between the reparation of those relationships and a spiritual awakening. Firmly well, believe you can't have one without the, the other. I believe they are the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so yeah, the 12 steps. And, and as part of that, you know, what goes away <laughs> is resolved in many ways is, is what I take inventory of. I, the resentments go away, the, you know, the fear goes away, the guilt, shame, and remorse of harms that I've done to others goes away. And, and you know, the church was part of that. And, um, but, but forgiving me was a big part of it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... You get sober, you work through the steps, talk a little bit about, um, you know, that those, those family members you texted and you were, you were telling that you were going to die and that you were at the end. Talk about those relationships and how, how those have changed. So you were asking me a serious question and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of my aunt Judy, because as part of my delusion, evidently I went on an Alaskan cruise with her for a week. <laughs> the reality is I'm strapped to a hospital bed. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, humor is a big part of our family and a kind of a dark humor, but but only because, you know, there's been there's hope. Yeah. You know, and, and you can't I heard somebody say you don't you don't laugh about pissing the bed if you're still pissing the bed. <laughs> Right. So if I had still been one. in in alcohol, unless you're my son, <laughs> if I had, <laughs> he thinks it's pretty funny. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, if I was still in the mess, you know, we we wouldn't be laughing about it. Yeah. So so the restoration of humor, lightheartedness, hopefulness, and and it's been neat because I have a brother who's gone through cancer treatment. I've been through another, you know another brother that had cancer, and as a result of that had sepsis and lost both his legs. Oh, my God. And through all of this stuff, you know, there's just this recurring theme of, you know, God can do this. There, you know, we have examples in our family of these amazing things. And um, so that's what that those relationships look like. You know, losing mom and dad, my, very tight with my siblings. and Yeah. Enjoyed four days in North Carolina playing yeah. golf. I did yeah. not get a hole in one either, yeah. <laughs> but I have one. You, you know? do. Yeah. Good. Hey, that's what matters. That's right. So tell us, before we move on to our topic, tell us a little bit about what life is like now. You know, what, what your life yeah, looks so, like now. Yeah, so, you know, uh, there's a line in the book that says some of us are lucky enough to make this an avocation. So I don't expect other people to kind of live their lives the AA-centric quite the way I do, but... Mm. 
you know, I work in a drug and alcohol treatment center. I am the residential manager of a halfway house. I'm eyeball deep in AA. I go to four, five, six meetings a week. I sponsor more men than I'm willing to put a number <laughs> to on this podcast. But, but I make a, you know, it, it's everything. And, and it is incredibly fulfilling. Like it, it's never something that deprives me or takes something away from my life. It just adds incredible joy. And there are challenges, right? Like, like you, I've lost, you know, countless people that some of whom very, very close and that I love dearly, including, mm-hmm. you know, two sponsees now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough. And so this is a little bit of a question. I, I was thinking about this when you, and, and maybe the answer is yes, maybe it, it's, it, you know, you don't know, but that idea that you were going to become a priest and, and give, you know, a, a life of pot, live this life of poverty and basically give, give everything you have away. Have you found that you've gotten somewhat back to that through your work in the halfway houses and the so, centers? And I just, I, cause yeah. I knew you did that. And I was like, why does he, do? personally, I would never do. So how incredible. You, you know? Cause you're definitely not getting paid. No. Well, I mean, I mean you, but I, you're, I mean, you're getting paid, you're getting paid, but, but, but I wouldn't personally want yeah. to do the management of a tree of a halfway house, you know, so, talk about humor just for humor's sake. It's worth working. <laughs> you should try <laughs> right. it sometime. <laughs> but you know, if you think about this, all I wanted to do in the priesthood was bring people into a relationship with a loving God, mm. right? That's all I wanted to be. I wanted to live a life of love and service to God and to others. Yeah. That's here and on self will right? Me deciding what I was going to do and selfish and self-centered, the spiritual malady and everything that comes with the disease of alcoholism, right? That leads me to June 30, 2006 and that inventory, right? Complete death and destruction really at my own hands. And then how amazing is it that the God that I was willing to serve and give all to brings me to a place where I have now for 17 years been able to do exactly what I had always wanted to do with my life. Mm. Without the dogma. Uh, yeah, without the, <laughs> without the trimmings, like yeah. really without anything, the, the, the constraints and, and things. Yeah. And Maybe there was a plan all along. I mean, I'm telling Maybe you. there like, was a plan. There's no way. And we, I think we mentioned it on the air. I'm not sure. But there's no way that I could have gotten from where I was to where I am today. Yeah, so yeah. you ask me kind of what things are like now, that inventory, beautiful relationship with God, walk hand mm. in hand with him every day. I walk with a sense of purpose and direction to my life. You know, I'm fully satisfied. I'm in right relationship with family and friends and people I work with and for. Mm. I'm not, not seeing and hearing things that aren't there. <laughs> I can, you know, reasonably intelligent most of the time. I mm make pretty sound moral decisions most of the time. I'm emotionally regulated. I can enjoy the highest of highs mm-hmm. and the lowest of lows, and I don't need a drink to cover that up. And physically, you know, sometimes I just go, ta-da, like <laughs> I'm still 6'1". Yeah. yeah. That's six, a, I mean, that's I'm pretty six amazing. You, you know, you have shrunk already. <laughs> you rattle off those gifts, and there are gifts, but it, those don't, they're not automatic. You know what I mean? We have a daily reprieve, and I try to tell people, they're like, oh, man, you know, they look at my life, and they're like, oh, you you got it so, you know, easy, blah, blah, blah. You got it so good. I was like, I got to do the same thing you do. Yeah. 
you know? I got to wake up every day, turn my will over to a power greater than myself, call my sponsor, go to yeah. a meeting, help somebody. I, I mean, I, all of that is conditional. It's yeah. all conditional. I do, like, tout one thing, which is I, I often introduce myself as a grateful, recovered alcoholic. Yeah. And, okay. and, and I do that because it's not a given, right? But, but there are realities. And the reality is, is I don't suffer spiritually the same way. Mm -hmm. I don't have the mental obsession. I'm not drinking, you know, and, and so all of the symptoms, most of the problem is, is arrested. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, you know, do I work hard to keep that arrested? Absolutely. Yeah. And the book's really clear. It says we are recovered. Right. We are people who have recovered. Yeah. So dozens of times. There's semantics. There's a bit of semantics there, but yeah. I think it's an important message. I, I, I like no, to definitely. It. Definitely. Let's move on to our topic. Uh, and I'll just read it here. It says, as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. How does that work in your life? Amen. Okay. Yeah. That's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, like, if you, when you read this, I think to myself, like, what was my life like before I got sober? And it, mm. it was excitement and not in a good way. It's just you, you're yeah. always on edge. You never know what's going on. Your, my anxiety level is always high. Fear afraid of everything, angry at everything, worrying about everything, pitying myself, and making incredibly foolish decisions. Basically the opposite of you what You have a quick, quick second. I'll, I'll try to tell this story quickly. But I drove into Bethesda with two friends while I was drinking, and, and uh, we pulled up to the second floor of a parking garage, and one of the guys in the car jumps out and runs for the stairs and says, last one there buys the first two rounds. Well, the second buddy goes to the elevator and pushes the buttons frantically. I'm like, dude, that's not going to get down faster <laughs> yeah, yeah. than yeah. the stairs. And the thought came to me, I know how to get down there the fastest way. Jump. Jump. Yeah, so I jump off the second story of a parking garage. <laughs> and drunk enough that I didn't get hurt. <laughs> but as I'm taking inventory, am I okay? This woman starts kicking me in the ribs and she yells at me i'm like you know what is up and she goes you almost killed my baby oh my gosh the guy almost landed yeah. on on a bassinet yeah so you don't foolish decisions yeah. you oh. never you, you don't know it's a bad decision until your hand leaves the ring exactly i i yeah i think of i love this this, you know, yeah. part of the book. And, and there's a few things that stand out to me. The first one is the pause. It talks about a pause. I had no pause. I didn't know what a pause was. And through the steps, I've learned to have a pause because I'm somebody who can say and do things that I regret. Oh, yeah. And if I have that pause over the years, I've been able to practice that and and not do or say a lot of the things that could have caused me more trouble. Absolutely. And the second part I love is, is the word excitement because I was not aware that ex when I got sober, I thought excitement was happiness. I thought that was like, you know, the best the thing. Yeah. When, when I was excited, yeah. I thought life was good. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that just like fear, anger, and worry, excitement was something that was 
short lasting usually followed was, by depression by followed by depression yeah um so i love this there's just so much in here that that i learned in just these couple sentences here um so chris yeah i mean i i'm not nearly as spiritual as you guys <laughs> if i could if i could li- if i could live in this this idea it, all the time i i i, I would probably be in be in much better shape you can ask my wife but you know the the range of which i live in this is much smaller right. now i mean i do i say things that i shouldn't sure all the time do i am i prone to excitement and worry and anger i am but not nearly to the same degree i mean the the range of where i am hovering with this stuff is is infinitely less most days are pretty chill I was, you know what I mean? I was told to like swim in the middle waters. Yeah. Right? Not mm-hmm. too yeah. high, not too low. And yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, I, look, I mean, life happens and you've got to be aware of that and, 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 and there for that. And so I, I'm as prone to this stuff as anyone else. I, I just know that if I'm doing the sort of basics that we do in AA, I'm less affected by it. Yeah. You know, I can keep a sort of a middle ground there, you know, so. I wasn't even aware that these, that, you know, the first thing I think I'm the most grateful for about the program is just that I wasn't even aware that any of this was even going on. I was just running on pure instinct. Like, like it says in our book, self will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Yeah. And, and every day for me ended up being the exact same day. Mm -hmm. It was really sad. Looking back on it, you go, Whoa, like what a waste. No matter how hard you tried for it not to be. Yeah. It's just, it's just always, it's Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Yeah. 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 (laughs) All right. Let's move on to the next part of our show. We call this the newcomer tip of the week. (laughs) All right. We got no slide for this tonight. Oh, wait. We oh, have, we do. Oh, there he is. We the have middle theme finger guy. music for the tip we of have, the week. We have, we have newcomer theme music. This is like... I think I can tell that guy needs it. Like if a new guy walked into a meeting, it would be nice if they played this music while he was walking in. Like, oh! Mm. Is it my imagination or does that picture look a little like Gabe? It, it, mm, it kind of does a little bit if Gabe cut his hair shorter. <laughs> Gabe... Defend no yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it just does that. You know, that's how I can tell. I need AA between drinks. I wish I could like have a lineup of all the people that you know that I was compared to, and just be like, look at how different these people. All you guys are. Fucking and if gone, you're listening dude. to the podcast on, you know, as a listener only, what we have up on our monitor here is a picture of a guy head out the window, flicking off. Somebody. That part does. He's seem so like angry. He's, he's very angry. So angry. He's a new guy. Yeah. And the tip this week is, and this is really more of a question, it says, I can stay sober sober quite a while between binges. How can I tell whether I need AA? And this is, again, for those of you who may just be tuned in for the first time, we do this segment for the newcomer out there who may A, wonder about this, and B, particularly, be too afraid to maybe ask somebody. Because it's all, this seems like such a simple question. They don't seem to have a problem with this. But this is actually a fairly common question question that comes up in many people's yeah. minds yeah. and for, it really is that you know it, it really the answer to this is like if you have alcoholism you will relate right yeah so I, I was thinking two things come to my mind the first is you know staying sober for quite a while between binges hmm. 
So we're binging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not between just uh, drinks. That's not, yeah. not like yeah. a normal kind of behavior, right? <laughs> but, but interesting to me is how can I tell whether I need AA? And there's, I think, two parts to that. AA does not say it's the only path to recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, and we, we've mentioned this now twice before, there is a delusion to alcoholism. And I think what happens is you can kind of get lost in the cloak of that delusion, but every once in a while, some light breaks through there. There's a mm-hmm. chink in that armor. Mm-hmm. And, and what I learned, and it's, it, it has occurred so many times, as a, especially as a sponsor, where somebody will say something and they think they're being clever, but what they're really doing is outing themselves that they have a unique relationship with alcoholism. Mm. And so I know exactly what you're generally talking about. speaking, people who are asking, you know, I can go a long time between binges. Yeah. Do I really need to get sober? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, is that people that don't have an abnormal relationship <laughs> with alcohol. Don't ask that question. Don't ask that question. Yeah. yeah. And I think there are, 100%. They're not even thinking about it. Yeah. And a very, a very, I guess, simple way to put this is in my mind, because a lot of people think, well, if I didn't drink every day, I can't be an alcoholic. You drank every day. I drank every day for, for years. And that is just not true. And I didn't, you didn't drink, you didn't no. drink every day. Exactly. No, not so, even close. And that's where a lot of people will, will look at certain circumstances like that, or they, maybe they never got a DWI or maybe they never were in jail. Like Chris was for a long time, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, a couple of years. We were joking Wild. before. We were joking before. Uh, and you know, yeah, real funny, maybe <laughs> <laughs> it's my life. <laughs> it's my life. Hey, you were pumped about it. High fiving people when you got it there. Now, <laughs> now Chris looks like the guy in the car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, anyway, so jokes. all these circumstances are not what make us alcoholics. And we don't have a ton of time to get into what makes us alcoholics, but the literature is very clear on it being this two-part illness of when I drink, I can't control it. And when I stop, I can't stay stopped, basically, yeah. you know, in a nutshell. So if you're out there and you're thinking this question, I don't drink every day, I just binge and I can stop for a period of time, just so you know that doesn't mean you're not an alcoholic. And not to mention that your sobriety can be a telltale sign of how you're living in sober. I mean, if you're a restless, irritable, and discontented between those binges, Mm -hmm. you might want to look at that. Once I read that in the doctor's opinion, I saw it everywhere. I couldn't unsee it. I was like, oh yeah, I, dude, yeah. I'm miserable. I'm uh, miserable. What precedes that return to another binge? Exactly. That's it. Yeah. So. So I think this is an important one. Huge. The truth is, is that if you're unsure if, you know, you're binging or if your amount of drinking is, is, um, too much or not enough, come to meetings, check out meetings, get a sponsor, you know, talk to people at a minimum, talk to people in Alcoholics Anonymous and check it out. I know for me that I came into AA with a very limited understanding of what it meant to be an alcoholic. And it was through meetings, sponsorship, the literature, the the steps that I started to understand it more. And then I was able to make a decision. Absolutely. You know, you don't have to be a hundred percent sure. You don't have to know the answers to all these questions. How can you be? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How can you, how can you be knowledgeable on something when you have not spent any time understanding it? Exactly. 
So we, we figured it out. Good job, guys. <laughs> we got that one. Gabe. Gabe. Mute your microphone. What do you do? What do you do? That, was right, let's, that was awesome. We did let's, it together. Let's, <laughs> let's move on to the next part of the show, our sketch of the week. One of my favorites. One of my favorites, too. I saw it as, as uh, it was time for it to come back around, and um, I, I did some research, and I found some new cool items. Just keeping these companies in, in business, keeping, man. Keeping these. I forget the name of this company, but maybe it'll pop up here. Yeah, I didn't blur it out, so. We're doing, we found it online. Look how pumped they are. They look super excited that they just found what, Gabe? What did they find? What did they find? <gasps> oh, your, your ass <laughs> needs a meeting. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a great gift to give to maybe a like sponsee a or a friend. No, it's a it's a poker oh, style chip. It's a chip. It's like a chip. So, if you're listening, it's a, it's a poker chip. With a donkey with, with, with a, its rear end in the air. Rear end. And it says your ass needs And their to rear move. end is like very clear. It looks so like it's shaved like, down a little bit there. <laughs> look at it. And that donkey does <laughs> yeah. not look good. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he needs donkey. A, that donkey looks like he needs a meeting. <laughs> Bro, I don't want to talk about <laughs> This is good. How the donkey's shaved down. But, but he I mean look at that. Clear, oh you can clearly see his butt. It's Dude, a reasonable it a price, so what do you but, do? Give but I'm worried about the sponsees. shipping cost. Yes, yeah. believe me, I paid those shipping costs. I we are the proud owners of multiple chips of these coming our way. Oh my! Can but, you play poker with them? Is it enough to? No, 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 no. But you could give this to a sponsee. You may give it yeah. to one of your friends. You might say, "Hey, I have your chip for your anniversary," and they say, "Oh, it's not my anniversary." Oh, and you say, good. "Oh, it is though," and you give them yeah. this oh. chip. Your ass needs a meeting. Yeah. I know someone I want to give this chip. I, to. I, I was going to say, I think yeah. we I think discussed we someone. Somebody. Somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got a couple people we want to give this to. <laughs> no. That's so funny. All right. Well, that's number one. Oh, there's more. There's four. This is number two. And this oh, is I what want, I was talking I about. One of these. <laughs> this is the AA magnetic golf ball marker. And I'll tell you what, if they were here tonight, Kevin, I'd give you one. I Thank ordered you. a number of those, and they will be here. So if I see you around, I'll put one in my car. I have a little bit of a problem with this one. It's like it's like having an AA bumper sticker. It is a little bit like having an AA you know, bumper you sticker. Drive yeah, you drive badly. You get with, mad on the golf course. Yeah, bad drive, yeah. bad let me, putt. Let me tell you one place I'm not really good at <laughs> practicing <laughs> spiritual principles. I... As you all know, play today. Do you throw today, your golf and clubs? I, do you throw them? I thought about throwing a golf club today in a lake. Mm. I didn't do it. There you go. I had a pause. A pause. When I was agitated. Yeah. And I, I want to see that, though, so bad. That'd be so funny. It was be. an expensive club, and I was uh. like... Yeah, I like cannot. to hold. I like to hold them as if I'm about to break it yeah. over my knee. Yeah, mm. and I don't know if you've ever done this, but sometimes I have to like drop it. I have to let go of the so club. You don't, so, so you don't. So you don't do it. I've never. I haven't. But I'll take that. I'll but I want remember. one of those poker chips. So it's a, it, if you're listening to the audio, it is basically one of those the little ball markers that you put down on the green to mark your ball between putts. Yeah. So pretty cool. If you play golf. If you play golf. If why, you don't, why you don't you give a shit about it. Why don't you just leave your ball there? Because if you're playing with a group of three other people, on, somebody else should. Have you way. ever watched? Even I know that. <laughs> All right. Let John finish, Chris. <laughs> Let's say your ball was in front of another uh -huh. person's ball. The person furthest away always putts first. It's so not they pool. Right. So it doesn't hit it. It's not pool. Yeah. It's golf. It's not pool. 
Well, but it's in a roll. It's not going to interfere. Like if you hit the marker, it's not going to interfere with no, the No, no, no. If it will it directly interfere with the marker, you will ask the person to move it. And we can, we don't want to get into the semantics okay. of how you properly do that. But Interesting. Yes. All right. Is there more? more? There's more. There's yeah. more? But wait. There's more. But wait. But wait. There's more. Ooh, look at this. Sober AF. A sober AF. AF sober disc AF. bird flat bill cap. Is that a phoenix? That looks like a no. an no. eagle. It looks like an eagle. Phoenix. <laughs> oh, it says dis. What is dis? dis? Disney. Silver. AF. Disper flat bill cap. What is dis though? Anyways, for the bird. listeners on the audio, it's a flat bill yes. hat that says oh, Sober dis, AF on it. This is the brand. Uh, Are we allowed to say that? Or sure, not? why not? It's called Disper. Doing It Sober. No. Oh, oh. Look at Kevin. Because <laughs> I'm Kevin's smarter, bro. Kevin I'm went smarter to than the Kevin went to college. <laughs> Gabe, you went to college? Kevin dropped <laughs> so, a, bomb, a knowledge I mean, bomb on us I, right there, dude. We would have sat here for 20 minutes. I would have been like, this. Ooh. I thought they were just like, I thought Disney, this, dude. That's the Disney this. ticker, dude. That's the, the stock ticker. But that doesn't make yeah. any sense. I know. Makes no sense. But doing it sober. The website that these, these gifts have been purchased from is doing it sober. So uh, I... Uh, you no just more? got that, Chris. Just I didn't know got the name that. of the website. Yeah, doing so sober. I got Let's that hat in white. That hat Thanks, in white Gabe. is coming. <laughs> so we're gonna put that hat up on the. I think yeah. we're gonna put it up on the shelf here next to the uh, behind the Kevin. Bear. Yeah, you, you can't really see up that high, but oh wait, um, we're, we're, wait ooh, but wait, there's more. Number four, big book cards, super fun AA quotes from the big book. Does it also have like card, like regular? Is it just cards? I don't think for so. You know, I was I was hoping they were, but they're not. So these are straight up just quotes, big book cards that you could give maybe to a friend who also needs. I can't imagine anything more unfun <laughs> than these fucking I mean, cards. Why not? I like the way <laughs> they touted it as super fun. It, they're good. Yeah, that's they have I have to. a hard time believing that so anything about so. this is super fun. There's 52 quotes from A's big book. 52 cards in a yeah. deck, right? That's yeah. how many are in a normal deck. So there's 52 cards here. Yeah. And with the Your Ass Needs a Meeting chip, you could also give one of the quotes <laughs> from the big book. I feel like Jerry would like this. I think Jerry would like this. I think we're going to send a deck his way. And make him guess like the pages they come from. Can I tell you a funny story about, about Jerry in North Carolina? Um, so I was in North Carolina golfing, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And we went to my sponsor, Jerry, who's been on our show as a guest. As a guest. Does meeting shrapnel. Not in person, though. We, not we in do person. We want him up. We, we do will. want him up. Yep. So we go to his home group. We get there at night early, and we go to his home group. And uh, we're leaving, and we get back to our hotel where we're staying, and there's a bumper sticker on our car. Oh, and it man. was like, it was a quote from the big book. I don't remember what it was, but they had, somebody in the meeting had stuck a, it was a magnetic bumper sticker yeah, on our car that was like, you know, it said like, I forget what it said, something from the big book. Yeah. So I was like, that's, and I sent a picture to Jerry. I was like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> what are you doing over here at the oh, group? And he said, he had like a term for it. He's like, you got, you guys got. Something, you know, something. And I was like, I love it. Gotcha. I love All it. the details of the I story just really fell like apart. It. Just clowning, know what it clowning said. the guests. Don't know what he said. <laughs> the best parts. <laughs> well, hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. I have to pull it up now. They were clowning the the the, the guests. 
is going Where on? Where are you going to hold it up? So they were, they intended, they no, I'm going to just tell you guys what, what he said. What it said. And they knew it was your car and put it on your car. Yeah. No, I think they get, apparently, this is a thing they do at their home group. They have them and then they kind of just get random people. Yeah. Okay, that's nice. Okay, it said mental goose flesh. Oh. What? <laughs> what? You know the line mental Man. like mental goose flesh? No, no I don't. From Bill, is it from, I do not know. Oh wait, no. I'm sorry. It says that was another one. There's multiple ones. He said he got one on his car, my sponsor. Seriously, yeah. are you telling me mental goose flesh comes from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous? Yeah. Come on, Kevin. And then I've got to reread this thing. So the one that was put on our car said grouch and brainstorm. Oh, oh that, that makes sense. That, that fits. fits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That fits. That fits. That fits. But isn't mental goose flesh in uh God, is it in Bill's? I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say probably anything. an older edition. Yeah, or something. it's not, yeah. It's I gotta stop store. before I Yeah. We're running out of time here. We're seriously digressing. We're coming up against it here. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> it's in Oh no, it's not. Maybe that's the mental. That's guests. the goose hung high. The goose hung yeah, high. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's in we agnostics. We agnostics. We, had, we found too that we had been worshippers when a state of mental goose flesh that used to bring what a state of mental goose flesh that used to bring on. What the hell so, does that mean? That's a that's mental an goose flesh. Yeah, is like it's so like goosebumps. Your skin having goosebumps. Your uh, brain has goosebumps. Uh-huh. Yeah, look at uh, that. You learn something new. Every is it, day. Is this Even the, I knew that, Chris. <laughs> Shank, and Wayne, Shank and Wayne need to rewrite that. They Speaking of gratitude, does this music mean we're about done? It does. Oh, good. Kevin, <laughs> thank you. How? <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for, for joining hey, us. Thanks man. for having me. We I, could I, listen I not to only you, had yeah. fun, but it just, yeah. I think you guys do good stuff, and I'm glad to be a part of it. You have a, a few yeah. people. I almost you have cried a very, like three times. It was fun, though. I almost cried. Too. I mean, you have a very powerful story, yeah, and, thank you. and thank you for your service, and thank you for uh, what you do, man. It means a lot, and it, it helps helps me. It helps all of us. So. Appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, and we will be back next week with another great guest and another awesome episode. Forgot to thank the people who are watching on Zoom. Thank you. Thank you so much. It means a lot. And for everybody listening. Thank you. Thank you.